the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. i got to see if I can punch in a quick password. My company changed my passwords yet again on me. Um, but that's okay. I'm not upset. <laughs> 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. A lot of stories out there right now Woo-hoo! going on inside the stock market. Um, and what do I mean by that? Some of the, is Snap going to turn around? Have they finally found the things that they need? Um, as far as tools and resources go. How is the economy ha- uh, running with a lot of political unrest going out there? Is it, uh, it's, are we unrest at this point in time? Is that fair or is that me being a little bit too dramatic? BB&T and SunTrust are joining forces in a $66 billion deal that will create the U.S. sixth largest bank. Woo. This is one that I just don't get. The world's largest luxury cruise ship suite will have a $200,000 bed and starts at $11,000 a night. Again, I don't know. Um, U.S. online grocery adoption is starting to lag. Have you ordered groceries online? That's going to be the next big thing, so says a lot of people. Growth valuations are probably, I'm hearing a little bit more through the noise and through the chatter. That's going to be something that we want to pay attention to. Growth versus value. And how that all plays out. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air at most times. Not at most times. A lot of people like growth stocks. It's probably the right way of saying that. So when the market goes up for eight, nine years in a row and it starts to get a little volatile, we start looking around and going, okay, who's going to get us up the next leg? Who's going to be that guy to carry us? And the thought is, 
value stocks right now. I don't know. A um, lot of weather out there right now. A lot of weather all across the United States. You could probably expect that to sap a little bit of strength out of some of the... Um, you probably expect that to sap a little bit of strength out of some of the economy. So stocks are falling amidst earnings growth concern estimates. Now, again, that's just one day, and that's one of the things that I don't really like about talking about um, the markets on a day-by-day basis. Bud Light is backtracking from its ads about corn syrup. Man, who knew that beer commercials were so controversial? Pretty alarming to me. But yeah, apparently they are. Bud Light backtracking from its Super Bowl ads. Anheuser-Busch spent big on Super Bowl ads this year, shelling out six minutes worth of time at five plus two million dollars. Sounds to me like, ooh, that's 5.2 million for 30, so that's 10.4. Wow, that's 60 plus million dollars. And one of them about corn syrup, they got a lot of attention and, uh, a lot of backlash. You would imagine that that was tested better, right? When you're dropping $30 million on commercials. Right? But then again, here we are talking about it yet again. And you may not know which company I talked about, positive or negative, right? Um, elsewhere out there. This is actually a pretty big story today. Canopy is going to invest $500 million in producing hemp. I know you're saying, whoa, Canopy Growth is going to invest up to $500 million in hemp production in the United States. Whoa. They're planning to expand its investment in American cannabis. Canada, Canadian company, previously announced an investment of $100 million to $150 million to process and produce hemp in New York after securing a license from the state's government officials in January. A lot of money being thrown in marijuana right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not in my opinion. Um... But what, what, what I'm kind of trying to get at with that is, what am I trying to get at? Big industry, and there's going to be winners, and there's going to be losers, and you need to like start asking yourself, okay, I know a little bit about Intel, they sell, they sell semiconductors, or I know a little bit about Facebook, and they've got some issues. Um, but what you have to say is, what do I know about marijuana? Do you know anything? And is that still something you should get into if you don't? You hear the word growth, and I'm saying you kind of got to be paying attention to value. But you may be saying, no, 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 I don't need to pay attention to value. I want growth. And that's when you kind of get in over your head. I've gotten in over my head on investment ideas in the past, and it's not pretty, in my opinion. So um, know that going in that you want to be very, very cautious about how you play the, I'd almost say the knowledge game, right, of how smart you are or aren't. Most of us are pretty good at, at, at some basic things, but some, most of us are not great at all things. And that's where, again, where people just get into trouble, in my opinion. So always be very, very cautious when you start thinking like you're smarter than the market. Facebook trading lower. They're having some issues in Germany that the whole grabbing people's data and sharing people's data may just be against the law. They say it's not. 
Facebook says it's not Google's, not Google, but Germany's uh, a judge there said it is. Basic responsibility. Alphabet's lower, Netflix is lower, Apple's lower, Amazon's lower. So do you feel that there's a sense, there's a shift going on from growth to value? Or maybe, maybe just for a day, maybe for a week, I don't know. Um, that seems to be the way I'm playing this. So we get the State of the Union this week. And as we start wrapping up the week, we're starting to um, kind of see where we are. We're moving into February. The year's one-twelfth over. That means you should be 8%, 9% funded of your 401k. Maybe unless you were government shutdown. Maybe maybe not then, right? There's, there's a lot of concerns out there on the 200-day moving average on the stock market. And how we're kind of playing with it. And the stock markets are sometimes NASDAQ, sometimes the S&P 500, sometimes it varies, right? So Chipotle Mexican Grill up 10%. Have they finally turned it around? One of the things I can tell you about Chipotle is that it's pretty cheap food. And as our economy gets tougher, some people are like, you want to go to McDonald's? No, I don't go to McDonald's. We're going to McDonald's yesterday. Let's go to Chipotle. It's still a player and it's still relevant. It's not my kind of investment because it's too dramatic. I'm kind of a... when two friends are, are divorcing, you kind of get get away from them because it's too much drama that you don't want to drag into your own life. I'm kind of one of those guys, and Chipotle's kind of got that thing going on. There's been a tentative effort the last few sessions to challenge key technicals on the upside. Will we be able to hold it, or again, is there going to be some sort of shift here? Anyhow, and anyway, the 10-year Treasury sits at 2.67%. Wow. It was at 3.3% at the end of December. That's the, the rate that mortgages are tied towards. The lower it goes, the more it's telling you there's fear out there. Is the bond market smarter than the stock market? Usually. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Blocking your money. How can I say this in 40, 140 characters or less? Twitter's sales forecast falls short on tepid user growth. Not bad, right? So Twitter, publicly traded company, Jack Dorsey, um, it's not a company that you compare it to Facebook. You want to, but it's not. Will it ever be Facebook? No. Daily active users increased to 126 million from 115 million. Fourth quarter sales were 909 million, beating expectations. All things considered, it wasn't a bad quarter, especially for a company that a couple years ago was really, really struggling uh, to show some sort of Wall Street traction as far as engagement, user numbers, earnings, revenue, things that we care about. The company's been ramping up efforts to reduce abuse on its platform and root out fake accounts and election malfeasance. That's expensive. We've already learned that from Facebook, so we kind of should have known that was coming for Twitter, right? In the end, if you only have so much money, which one are you going to choose? 
I myself will take not the road less traveled, the road more traveled. Sometimes I like the safety. Now, again, Facebook's got more risk tied towards regulation than Twitter does. Twitter has more opportunity, but they haven't shown me the the history of, of performance. So, in the end, which one do you want? 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We talk about Disney's quarter. We can talk about the overall first quarter. We can talk about the political environment and a lot of big things coming up, including maybe potentially another shutdown, maybe a deal or no deal. Deal or no deal with China. Just hope the, hope the uh, suitcase doesn't have $5 in it, right? Speaking about $5, it's about how much I pay for this man's advice on a daily basis. CFP Chad Burton joining me now. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little asset allocation. It is two words put together that we know in the investment community. Some of us know it better, some of it more intimately. What's asset allocation mean to you, Chad? Well, first of all, let's let's, let's talk about what it doesn't mean, because I think it's a term that's really misunderstood. Okay. Um, a lot of people that start investing think asset allocation means that it's always being in the right asset class all the time. And shifting from one asset class to another, which is really the same thing as, as day trading. Now, you want to do a little bit of that once you've accumulated a portfolio, you overweight and underweight in different areas, including cash, which is an asset class. But really what asset allocation means is you're trying to build a portfolio to achieve a certain goal with the least amount of risk possible, knowing that you're going to be wrong sometimes, so you still continue to hold on to certain asset classes. Um, like small cap, like emerging markets, which will have you know kind of a three steps forward, two steps back type of a process. And do you look at some people would look at asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and real estate? Do you look at small caps and international, like you just brought up? Do you look at that as a sub asset class, or is it a totally different asset? It's it's a it's an asset class. Okay. So I think that there's times uh, like during uh, the big part of the credit crisis, we steered clear of small caps altogether, for example. Uh, because of the risk factors that were involved, but we didn't like doing that for too long, so we still own a, a piece of small cap, which started off 2012, for example, the first month with with big gains, for example. You you just want to maintain a certain exposure to these asset classes, and and there's more than just stocks, bonds, and real estate. Within stocks, you've got the large cap, mid cap, small cap, but you also have different management styles between value and growth, or even just dividend growth investing. You also have uh, commodities that have to be a part of your portfolio as well. And there's a whole slew of alternative investments that people should be getting, you know, taking a look at and becoming educated on. Within the alternative asset class space, there's managed futures, which is another way to get into currency and commodities. Okay. There is funds that deal with merger and acquisitions. There's funds that deal with what's called kind of the buy right area, which is really covered calls, so it's a way to get into the market with creating income on, on, on different stocks. And there are tor- types of portfolios where if you're trying to find a spot where I don't want to be in cash, but I don't like where bonds are, I don't stocks maybe feel a little overvalued, you might look get into funds which hedge with the downside. There's funds out there that mirror the S&P 500. They sell covered calls to create some extra income, and they use that income to buy protective puts, which means you have upside exposure, but it's limited. Right. And in trade-off, you have limited downside risk as well. All of those are different pieces that go into asset allocation. The, the idea is that every year in the market, you have something that's doing good. So if if you're trying to compare your portfolio, just the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 has a roaring year because of tech and financials, for right. example, you're going to underperform a little bit in the good years. 
but you're going to outperform a lot in the bad years. That's what asset allocation is really about. Seven out of ten years are positive. Three out of ten is negative. It's a three out of ten makes a big difference. That's the math behind asset allocation. Before we get into that, um, comic books, asset asset or not? Um, is, as far as collectibles? Yeah. That's yeah, kind of where I'm mean, getting at. It, it can be. There. I'm sure there's been some successful comic book collectors out there. Okay. And um, how about art? Do you look at art as an asset class for the wealthy, for the poor? Should people be buying it? Should they not? Yeah, for the wealthy, because typically, you know, there's there are obviously some people that happen to purchase a painting 30 years ago that they didn't realize was going to be drastically. Um, but you got to be good at picking yeah. paintings. It's and like art, being good at picking stocks and picking mutual funds. You got to be good at that, that unique skill as well. Right. And art, art went through a pretty big bubble. It just like any asset class, it goes through bubble times. So it's correcting at this point in time, but typically it's kind of one of those things where in order to be good at accumulating the art, that's going to make you money in the long term, You've already got to have a lot of money. I'm with you. So, and uh, the idea on that is they're not making, you know, if, if it's a dead artist, Leonardo is not making more art, so to speak. Uh, I could drop that conversation because I'm going nowhere with that. But let's talk about the math of asset allocations. What do we need to know? Well, it's really creating consistent returns because you, the first thing you have to look at is is the game of math. It's the downside that makes a big difference. So, if you drop fifty percent, you have to get how much to break even? A hundred percent. Right. I know that, so, but most people don't. So that's that's the thing. It's you know, you have to focus on on the ten year average return. Don't don't really look at the one and three year average return. It doesn't make as much difference. It's the ten year average return. So if you're trying to compare, let's say you're trying to go for a large cap growth manager, you make sure that the manager's been there for the entire term of the track record, ten plus years. You look at the standard deviation. So if you're comparing two funds, you would want the one with the best ten year average return, the lowest standard deviation, and the most consistency. Uh, and maybe even the lowest beta if you're trying to get to funds that are, are less less volatile as you get close to retirement. So standard deviation, beta, and the consistency of returns is, helps you you know understand the math behind asset allocation. Asset allocation and much, much more. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or find his website, chadburton.com. Somebody that you used to know. Investing in this more. 
I'm circling back on Chipotle. It's starting to return to form. Chipotle Mexican Grill. It's. I grew up. I, I God, I want to say there was like a big three, maybe Wendy's, Burger King, and McDonald's, and. Every now and then you found like a fringe fast food thing as a kid that you were always t- typically suckered into. Like, not I, there weren't Happy Meals at my age, but there were like Star Wars glasses. Come get all a set of four. Come every week for one new one. This week, Luke Skywalker. You're like, I don't want Luke. I want Chewbacca. And uh, they suckered you in. As we've gotten older, we've said, Hey, we don't need just three. We need more. And some regional restaurants do it very, very well. And then they try to go global or national and then global. And sometimes that doesn't work so well. Sometimes it's a regional thing, right? El Polo Loco could be a regional thing or a California thing. It may not translate into the East Coast. So when you look at investing, this is some of the things you have to look at. Because one of the things we want from CMG, Chipotle Mexican Grill, is growth. We want earnings. Now, that's going to sometimes come down to food quality food costs, and labor costs. So when you hear about people in the street uh, lobbying for a livable wage, that doesn't necessarily translate well to the stock. Socially, it may be the greatest thing ever, but it may not translate well to the stock. The burrito giant notched a win in a very important metric last quarter. Transactions rose by 2% from year-go levels. Now, with Grubhub and all the delivery services out there right now, it'll make your head spin trying to figure out the landscape. So you're trying to find metrics that you like. Transactions is a good one. It's a proxy for traffic. And by having a gain, it snapped a streak of losses. Therefore, maybe implying, don't assume implying that maybe things have bottomed and are getting better. Now, how do they build on this momentum? And how do you get to mid-single-digit comparable same source sales growth? So you want your own stores to grow, but you also want to add new stores if you want to get the investment community all excited. And sometimes you do it by coming up with another concept. Chipotle, a few years ago, everything was going great at the Mexican Grill, so what do they do? They decided, let's mess everything up and do a Chinese concept. Same exact idea. You stand in a line. It's cafeteria style. You say, I want some of this, this, and this, and then they weigh it or something like that, and you pay, and you're on your way. So Chipotle got into trouble with some food that was tainted numerous times. So maybe their supply chain was wrong. You've heard about the supply chain with Apple, right? Where... One of the things I'll say on this show is that China tells no lies. And it's almost offensive. And if it's offensive to you, I already apologize. But a lot of things are made and manufactured in China. And a lot of pictures are taken on the manufacturing line and spoiled for the company that wants to keep everything so secret. So supply chain is important. And sometimes, um, for instance, I just saw a semiconductor equipment company. Um, they basically came up with the wrong ingredients for their, their process and a whole batch of product was destroyed because of it. And when I'm talking about product, you're talking about cell phones, right? So Chipotle, I have my reservations about that stock has been through just a rock and roll phase, like a kiss. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And like the next year, like, I want to see it again. Let's do it again. And it went through that for years. 
And they got into that, that food quality issue. And they got into an issue of how do we win people back? Because even me, or even I, I want cheap food, but I don't want to die when I eat cheap food, right? And I, I'm kind of a, a food snob, so let's just throw that out there, that I'm kind of a food snob. Anyhow, other big stories of note out there today. I want to hit on Disney because they reported numbers this week, and I, I haven't really dug deep into them. So I did last night, and Bob Iger, he runs Disney. And I love Bob Iger. He's someone that uh, a lot of people would vote for president. His predecessor, not the nicest guy. He's the kind of guy like, oh, you lost your hand on our roller coaster? Well, here, take this stuffed Mickey Mouse doll. And like, that's kind of heartless. But Bob Iger is pretty solid at what he does. And he's saying the company's going to be very patient in launching a new streaming service called Disney Plus. Despite potential for a near-term hit to their earnings growth. Company reported little change in the fourth quarter revenue and a 36 percent decline in earnings per share. Stock didn't go down. Thirty six percent decline in earnings per share. If I came home with a thirty six percent decline in my paycheck, I would get beaten with a broom out to the street. Right? They did that, and Wall Street's like, yeah, nothing but a thing because you got that Disney Plus thing coming up. Remember last quarter, Disney raised prices in egregious 20%, essentially across the board on their ticket prices for theme parks. It wasn't like 3 or 4%. We have to pay our employees a little bit more, so we're going to charge you a little bit more. It was egregious. It was says, we have so much foot traffic here, we don't know what to do with it except for charge more money. And maybe that'll slow down the foot traffic. <laughs> they don't care about slowing down the foot traffic. Can you imagine counting all the cash and the credit card transactions that happen at one Disney park in a day? No way, fool. What a fun job, right? You'd be flying on your uh, calculator. You'd look up and you'd be like, uh-oh. I forgot a number. i got to start over again. So Disney's got a problem with cable subscribers. They're tied towards ESPN. They fell only 1% during the last quarter. Cable companies are scrambling. I've got a second home, and I have high-speed internet at both homes, but they're different companies, right? One company is calling me called Suddenlink, and they're going, we see that you don't pay for cable TV, but you have cable internet. Because, oddly enough, the place isn't located in Texas, but that's where all the calls are coming from. We see, that's my impression of Texas, um, and they're telling me, we can give you cable TV for $19 a month. Does that sound good to you? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm streaming it. I got some product. I'm good. All good. And uh, suddenly it's being proactive. Comcast, they're doing a lot. Now, that whole Xfinity thing, we're going to change the name of our service to Xfinity because, well, it's like Buzz Lightyear. It's, it's a complicated term that a lot of people assume is awesome. I think it's kind of stupid. But one company's being very proactive on lowering prices. One company's being active and like throwing like a lot against the wall as far as the quality goes. Disney's problem area doesn't look so problematic for now. The cable ESPN subscriber growth is dropping. 
when I was young, when I was a young boy, there was just one ESPN, then there was an ESPN2, then there's an ESPN+, Plus. there's an ESPN College, there's an ESPN University. There's too many ESPNs now. Because what they learned was people wanted to watch live sports, and they wanted to hear Boomer go, he's rumbling, slumbling, bumbling down the highway, or down the road, uh, down the field. He's bumbling, stumbling, bumbling, touchdown. And people found that shtick, like, nice, because you'd watch ABC, NBC, CBS, and the sportscasters were boring. And ESPN brought SportsCenter, like, schlock and shtick, and, like, it was kind of awesome. Park revenue rose 5%. Iger said their acquisition of Pixar, Marvel Entertainment, and Lucasfilm have allowed Disney to engineer a film boom for all the ages, while putting hit characters and stories to work as new rides and lands at Disney parks. Growing attendance and visitor spending. There ain't nothing wrong with the, the overall uh, business at Disney. Getting kids screaming crazy about a new character. Do you have any kids? Uh, I saw a friend of mine. He, he posted a picture of his daughter building a snowman. She goes, I want to build a snowman. Do you know she's going to like get Disney dresses and... Uh, soundtracks, and she's going to want to take breakfast with a Disney princess, and she's going to want to like see Disney princesses. And then one day, after her dad's bankrupt, she's going to go off and get married to some loser. Some loser. And they're going to make babies, and she's going to say, I want to take my baby to Disney like my daddy took me to Disney. I don't talk to my daddy anymore. And she's going to get her kids in the whole Disney cycle. It's a thing. So Mary Poppins Returns didn't exactly look supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They actually looked supercalifragilisticexpialatrocious. So Mary Poppins grossed just $300 million worldwide. So it's like, where's the billion? The billion is going to be in coming up with a Netflix-like product. The billion's going to be you know, standing in line for the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Disneyland. It looks like a fun ride, but it's going to be an extremely long wait. Netflix has a massive lead, but Disney's got massive years of back catalog. And when push comes to shove, which, which kids show do you like the most? I don't know. Maybe some parents will be like, screw Disney, they're a big corporate evil company. Let's go with Netflix. It's a big corporate evil company. Just haven't been doing it as long. So I like Disney, and I do like Netflix. It's where our eyeballs are. I like Google for YouTube. It's where our eyeballs are. I like Fortnite, although there's not an easy investment for you, because it's where our eyes are. And if Facebook has taught you one thing, they've taught you a million things, not to exaggerate, but it's all about eyeballs. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. That power over me My, my The only one I know The only one on my mind You got that power over me Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now, back to Rob Black and your money On AM 1220 KDOW
financial money investing and more. I'm always trying to figure out trends, and one of the very earliest parts of my career, I spent a lot of time studying the U.S. census. There's a website, census.gov. And I highly recommend that people start like figuring out where we are as investors. One of the areas to where I am is people are getting older in America. And growing up, I heard Japan was getting older and it was hurting their economy because when you get older, you promise people free health care and you promise them paychecks. And that has to come from somewhere, i.e. taxpayers. And if you're not having a lot of kids, you can't support the retirees. One kid can't support a retiree. It takes two or three kids to support a retiree. In America, in the next couple of years, it'll take 17 workers to support one retiree. That's crazy. That's unsustainable. We've got to have more kids. We need a baby boom. I know you're saying, please don't go there, Rob. Please don't go there. Or maybe we need more legal immigration to come into the United States and take jobs and pay taxes on them create jobs. As our population grows, um, so does the job market. Trump, during his State of the Union, is like, America's got more people working than ever before. We also have more people living here than ever before. That's not that impressive. But it sounds good the first time you hear it. I was reading uh, one of the reasons Chipotle's uh, earnings report. <laughs> they have drive throughs now. They're called Chippo... Chipotle lanes. Chipotle lanes. I'm like, too much, too much. Now, I'm not going to knock the company for doing it, but I give them credit. They've turned around. And if you're ever looking for a company to, to put in a quarter that says, we've done what we had to to do the work right, maybe now's the time to buy a little bit. Maybe now's uh, in three months to buy a little bit more. They could put two together in a row. This new mobile messaging app that's starting to gain, I guess, conversation. It's a digital hangout app. It's a product called Squad. It's a video messaging app that allows users to video chat with up to six people and simultaneously share seven uh, share the screen with their friends. I'm not there yet. I'm still on occasional FaceTime, but I still like making phone calls. And I hate texting, but it's part of life, right? But Generation Z is the target market for digital hangout experiences. Young people are increasingly using digital spaces as havens, not just to communicate, but to commune. They're saying some of the um, teen suicide and teen drug use is on the down because teenagers tend to hang out more so at home on their video hangouts or their apps or their phones, necessarily than getting together and causing trouble. Squad and messaging apps like it are positioned as digital hangouts. And digital hangouts, you know, that Fortnite concert with Marshmallow played on uh, a couple weeks ago, 10 million people went into the game to watch a concert. Not 10 million people went to YouTube to watch a concert. 10 people went into a game. Digital hangout. And they danced and they partied. Um, anyway, third place right now. Uh, is, is Fortnite as a place for digital hangouts. And if you see kids anywhere between the age of 6 and 13 playing Fortnite, they tend to be on chat apps. Not the chat app inside the game, but one outside the game. Because then they can talk to 20 or 30 of their friends, not just the ones playing on their current location. So 
coffee shops and malls are in trouble, in my opinion, because they're becoming less relevant as far as hanging out. People have been digital their whole life, digitally native people. I know you're saying, is that kind of like indigenous? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like we're called digitally native. So you're going to see more apps come out, and you're going to see companies like Facebook copy what Squad's doing. Apple needs to beef up their messaging, so maybe they'll acquire. There's a company called House Party. Virtual hangout amongst many, 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 many young people. It integrates a popular mobile game called Heads Up. that lets users play with friends in the app. So I could see it. And like Things change a little bit, right? Digital hangouts are going to aim to drive the next wave of engagement growth. And uh, potentially addictive. That's for sure. Technology's definitely got an addictive uh, angle, right? A third of Fortnite players play 6 to 10 hours a week. And 35% of players in high school or college said they've missed some or a lot of school in order to uh, play the game. That's We've heard that our whole life, right? I don't think that's changed too much. But digital hangouts, something you've got to start thinking about. Tapestry, a company who makes purses, Kate Spade, Coach, things like that. They're lower today, big time. Consumer discretionary. You don't have to have a new purse. You don't have to have a new pair of shoes. And when they're luxury, could create problems. Tapestry seems to be blaming the political environment that people are just so upset with either loving or hating Trump or loving or hating Democrats or loving or hating Bernie Sanders or loving or hating whatever. They're getting frozen and they don't want to make bets. They don't want to invest. Isn't that kind of nutty? So the big stories today are slowing global growth, weighing on the mind of people. Most major averages opened lower, but you can't read too much into that because how well we've done since December 24th, you know, short-term gain, short-short-term pain. Um, sometimes that comes with the area. Larry Kudlow is talking, saying there's pretty sizable distance to go with the U.S.-China trade talks. It's likely that President Trump will meet with China's president. No, no time date set. U.S. will export anything to China that they'll accept. Uh, the China talks are, 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 are starting to get bigger and bigger feeling right now, going into March. I know we said we just started February. No, we're going into March now, the way Wall Street thinks. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.